it's exciting like how to hear people's stories, isn't it? You know, about what God has done for them. How many and that's why today's topic is tell your story because when you think about the concept of love pay it forward, the you know, the whole idea of that is that Jesus Christ first loved us, so we have something to give. You know, and that there's other people just like us and just like Jamie that are sitting there all by our lonesome, you know, like there was a time that we were alone and hurting and had no idea that there were answers and that there was help and that healing was available through Jesus Christ. But it takes somebody brave to speak up, doesn't it? You know, it does. It takes somebody brave enough to share and to say your, your story. And I think a lot of times when we think about sharing what we've received, some of the, you know, we've talked about uh, Alberto, um, who did awesome teaching. If you haven't heard it, listen to the podcast on the overcoming fears when he was talking about that. Sometimes one of the fears is that what it's going to take is biblical knowledge or getting your walk all figured out. You know, have you ever thought that or had that concern like, I'm not walking big enough with God or, you know, I... I, what if somebody asked me a really hard question and I have no idea how to answer it? But a big part of paying it forward and sharing our faith is just telling our story about what, what did Jesus do for us. Has anybody here been touched by Jesus Christ in some way? we got a few. You know, it doesn't have to be a big, long transformation story either. It doesn't have to be my life is radically transformed because that's, you know, usually a many years journey. It's not an overnight, you know, you get saved and, and your life goes from, you know, where it is to this big transformation. It's, it's no matter what it is, it's a continuum. But it could be that you just met Jesus and he touched you. That's enough to share. You know, and we're going to take a look at that and the, and the power of that and the significance of that. If you go to John chapter 9, because you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to be Bible brain person. You don't have to know the scripture because the idea of just telling your story, and this is this guy that we're going to actually take a look at because it doesn't even need to know that you don't even have to be able to explain who Jesus is a whole lot. But you can't you tell people what Jesus did for you or how you've been touched by him in some way? I don't know. I don't know anything. People ask you questions. I don't know. But I know Jesus changed my life. I know he touched me. That's all I know. That alls I know is, you know. <laughs> Just go with alls I know. Alls I know is Jesus touched me. Um, let's go to John 9. I love this story because there's a lot in it. I would say, too, in telling your story. And think about this. When's the last time you told your story? Today? Yesterday? Been a little while? Because one of the things in telling your story to somebody else of what Jesus did for you, guess what it does besides bless them? Yeah, it blesses you to be thinking about what Jesus did for you. You ever had that struggle because maybe if you've walked with Jesus for some period of time that you just 
forget where you came from. You know, forget it was what it was like at the low end of things. Sometimes that happens too. And so it wasn't always this good. It was, there was a time it was super, super duper bad. And then I also want to look at, this is the one story that, that we're going to talk about, but there are records all through the Bible of people sharing their story with others. You know, the Apostle Paul through the New Testament and through the book of Acts was kind of fun because if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that he was constantly sharing his story. He had an amazing story. He, you know, persecuted the Christians and dragged them out of their homes. They were having home fellowships, and he would go there and drag them out and send them to jail. And, um, you know, he was really persecuting the Christians and had a lot of reason to have a lot of guilt and shame, I would say, of feeling pretty terrible about where he came. And then he had an encounter with Jesus where Jesus got mad at him. <laughs> and kind of yelled at him a little bit about uh, persecuting his people, but he had an open heart and believed and repented, and his life changed. So, But it's interesting as we're looking through the book of Acts because he shares his story in different ways with different people. You don't have to share the whole thing and give a whole testimony like what Jamie did. Sometimes it can just be a moment, like Jesus, Jesus answered my prayer yesterday you know, or gave me peace from prayer yesterday. Um, But let's look at John 9 in verse 1. I like this story. And this one in particular, there's a lot of elements to look at about this guy that um, speaks up and says what Jesus did for him. But one of the things I like about it is that he had a lot of opposition, but he kept speaking about what Jesus did for him. Because sometimes, have you ever run into sharing your story where people don't respond so well if you've been out there? You know? And we'll see some of the elements in this story. In John 1, in verse 9, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Now, I just want to walk you through a little bit that, because um, I'm reading the NIV, but the way that they translated it is a little, they added some words that kind of changed the meaning and I think can be confusing. Those words, this happened so that, though none of those words exist. It should be, said Jesus, but the works of God should be displayed in his life. That might So that's how that that verse should read. So it reads a little different because the way that the translation reads right now, and you can check this with an interlinear as um, you saw when um, Ryan was here. You can always check interlinears to see what was in the actual text that it was translated from versus what the current version of the Bible has. So it's kind of, I like referring back to those pretty often when I'm reading the scriptures. And um, so it says, neither... This man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, because the way that it would normally read is, but this happened so that the works of God. So it kind of reads like he was blind on purpose, which I don't believe is the will of God. You can't really document that in scripture, that God makes people blind on purpose so that the work of God would be in his life. So that's why I think it's important to um, to eliminate those words. And then in verse 4 it said, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, 
and put it on the man's eyes. Now, this is not, again, when we talk about ministering of healing, it's not a formula that every time somebody's blind, you spit in some mud, put it on their eyes, and they're miraculously healed. As we learned when we were talking in the Ultimate Empowerment series, the manifestation of discerning, of, I mean, of, uh, of healing is a walk in revelation. And Jesus healed other people and didn't heal them this way. So for whatever reason, God, God was, was, spoke to Jesus that he said to spit in the ground, put mud in the saliva, and put it on his eyes. And then Jesus said, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, it's kind of interesting because, again, not in every instance does Jesus tell people to do something to get healed. But in this particular instance, and there's a lot of things that are involved. You've got revelation involved, and you also have the faith of the person whether, you know, that's getting the healing. So there's something in this that Jesus told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam and you'll get healed. What if... Jesus said that, and the guy said, that's ridiculous. This is stupid. Mud in my eye. I'm going to look like an idiot. Why should I bother going there? I probably won't get healed. I've been blind my whole life. You know, why would I possibly get healed by going to the pool and washing mud off? There's a lot of things that, as far as he could have responded. I think, too, just in looking about, I mean, in our walks in healing, is sometimes there's, there can be conditions for our healing of a part that we need to do. It could be a part that we need to do in our growth or change that has to do with healing. It could be a part that we need to do for our faith. But part of this is being willing to walk out in faith of what the Lord is telling us to do. You know, definitely in personal healing and inside growth, most of the time there's a part that we need to do for the healing. It's not just, boom, you're magically healed and... You know, you never struggle with whatever that is again. Um, so I think it's kind of cool as far as that he did that. You know, he probably, you know, that he was willing and, and, and went. And then he came home seeing. He showed up at his house seeing. all of his, You know, he was blind since he, uh, since he was born. And all of a sudden, I mean, the, you know, and nobody had ever been healed that was born blind before. And all of a sudden, he shows up at his house seeing. So what happens in verse 8, it says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, it just looks like him. Now, and, but he himself insisted, I am the man. I am that same guy. Now, I also want to look at this too. He just looks like him. Just, it's his twin. It's it's a it's a what is it doppelganger what I never I would never know how to say that word doppelganger dope whatever <laughs> but anyway so that's what they're thinking now I want to also say there's a huge element if you have a heart that's open to receive and believe God will show you things if you don't you could have a miracle in front of your face and not see it. It ha I've had that happen to me. I have seen miracles in front of my face, but my heart's been so hard I've refused to even see the power of God work. God's done something, and I've just my heart is just blinded and hard, and I'm just bitter and I, or whatever. 
I've been in that place where I'm callous to not seeing the mighty work of God. So God can and will do phenomenal things. This is, come on, really? The, the guy was born blind. They've seen him his whole life. But if you have a heart to not believe, you'll come up with some excuse or some reason. They actually sat there and go, no, it just looks like him. It couldn't, I mean, you have to be pretty determined to not want to believe or to see a miracle or the power of God to see, see a guy you've seen your whole life that's in your neighborhood that got healed from blindness and just say, now I mind you, I'm sure he did look a little different. He probably did. He could see he was blind. I'm sure he looked a little different. Some of you look different after you've had a Jesus makeover. Most of you look different after you've had a Jesus makeover. I've seen it. You physically, I see people all the time that look physically different because they've been changed by Jesus Christ over and over again. I, actually, I've never not seen that. I've seen it every time. People look way hotter when they're, <laughs> you know, the hotness factor just goes through the roof night and day. You come alive. You have life inside of you. So... He probably looked a little different, but come on, really? You can't recognize that this is the same guy? Your heart's got to be a little hard. So then he says, and he's even saying, I'm the same guy. And you can imagine that they're still telling themselves, sure you are. You're just making that up. I don't know. And then in verse 10 it says, how were your eyes open, they demanded. Now, if someone that you've known that their whole lives could not see and now they see, what would be your first question? Or, or question, or not question, just what would you first say? Oh, my God. Wow. Wowie zowie, how exciting. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord or something. Or That's amazing. But, you know, you're, again, you can see the posture of their hearts that they demanded. Then how did it happen? <laughs> you, there's no rejoicing? Nothing. Not even a moment of enjoying the moment. You know, though, honestly... You can, we could sit here and be critical of those people, but I've acted that way. I've seen a lot of people act that way, where there's a miracle, and the first question is, oh, come on, is it really? Was it, I mean, I, I heard it about Kristen's epilepsy. The first question's out of people's mouth, what, did she really have it? No, see, I'm not kidding. A lot of people's questions or thinking, you know, was, was that just made up, maybe? Maybe the tests were wrong, or do you know what I mean? So... I've thought that way, and so have you, so let's not be too critical of these people. <laughs> it is sad, though, right? It's, it's a sad to see a missed opportunity. Then it says in verse 11, he replied, the man they called Jesus made some, the man they called Jesus, that's pretty funny, made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. <laughs> Then they brought him to the Pharisees, which is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, could, I don't know, the guy, I doubt that they chained him and brought him. Uh, my guess is he went along with them to the Pharisees. The man, uh, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath, which is the wrong day to heal people. Um, in verse 15, and Jesus seemed to break that rule a lot. And in verse 15, it says, Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. He's probably tired of telling that story. In verse 16, then some of the Pharisees said, 
this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. That's kind of off the topic, wouldn't you say? It's just sort of like somebody that was blind their entire life got healed, and these guys are having conversations about what day it is and about the fact that Jesus had to be a bad guy because it was on the wrong day. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs so they were divided? Now, finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Now, have you, some of you have gone through this too. It is hard when you change, and Jesus Christ changes your life sometimes for people that have known you a while to believe it. I've seen that. I've seen that for, you know, my own life. But I've also seen it for others where it's just hard. If people are not, have got walls and guards, you could have phenomenal change in your life and ha- be criticized for it. Or have people doubt, is it real? Is it legit? It's, you know, do you just get into some funky group or, you know, whatever, some weird group? And you're like happy as can be, and somehow everybody's finding some way to find fault in it. So it's kind of interesting, you know, here this is pretty, pretty intense. This is actually some pretty intense persecution about something. You'd think when there's healing, people should rejoice. Not ask, you know, who did it? Where did you find out? Let's go criticize the source of this. And, you know, where is that coming from anyway? Jealousy, envy, for sure. Satan. <laughs> who's the author of jealousy and envy and those things. But you kind of see, it's just sort of, there's, it is understandable. It says the Bible talks about that people that, you know, like, um, they live in the darkness, they like it. And so when light shows up, it's, they recoil because they, they don't want light to expose things. So sometimes there's lots of things. It could be, People want to keep you down because if you, I've seen this often where you're getting healed and your life's changing and other people resent that because they're staying where they're at, you know, and it makes them feel worse about where they are, you know, and they're trying to find a way to pull you down or to criticize you for that, which sucks. I mean, it's just like, it's sad. It's sad that people can't rejoice for healing and for what God's working in your life. It can also be because of the, you know, jealousy or envy or control, you know, wanting that maybe, you know, that Jesus has more of an influence on you than they do. That can be a part of it, too. You know, like, wait, I, you know, people, you know, tend towards hanging on in ways that that are kind of destructive and hurtful. And, And I really think that that was what was going on here because the Pharisees are supposed to be the hotshot religious people. And... The guy got, didn't get healed by them. He got healed by Jesus. So I think they felt threatened by that, that he was giving thanks and praise outside of their, you know, religious organization and made him mad, tried to discredit it. So it said, um, so then he, anyway, they asked the guy, and, then, and the man replied, he is a prophet. But the Jews did, still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Yeah, quite a production. You know, it's amazing. They're making so much of an attack over a guy that was blind and could see. But it says, 
um, is this your son, they asked. Is this the one that you say was born blind? Wow. How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So his parents knew that Jesus healed them, him, from being blind. If you're a parent and your child has been blind since the day that they were born and you can't bring yourself to say who healed them, that's just sad. It was kind of a big deal getting thrown out of the synagogue because it was definitely being ostracized. It was the social circle. So it would have been really being an outcast. But seriously, your child was born blind and could see and you can't just claim who healed him because of the fear. That's the opposite of telling your story. And then in verse 24, and that is what happens as far as people sharing their story. It's fear of what people will say or being ostracized or rejected is what keeps people from shutting up, from rejoicing about the great things that Jesus does. In verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give the glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner. So then they're just trying to go, well, let's just deny Jesus. Well, they're trying to manipulate him into saying, just say it's God and Jesus had n- not, not in the mix at all, you know. <laughs> he replied, which is great. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. <laughs> That's all's I know. See, that's what I'm saying, guys. The story is, I don't know. I can't explain Jesus to you. Maybe I can't, you know, explain your Bible questions. All's I know, though, is I got healed. We can be that, can't we? People might ask you questions or try and doubt or try and poke a hole. Just go back. I don't know. Maybe it is all fake. Maybe there is no Jesus. But I got healed. That's all I know. Somehow I got healed believing in this, you know, imaginary man, you know. Maybe he's not raised from the dead, but somehow I got healed. That's all I know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why, do you want to hear it again? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Now, he knew that this was not the truth. <laughs> Being a little sarcastic. Yeah, you want to follow him? Is that why you'd like me to tell you another time about Jesus? <laughs> Verse 28. They hurled inserts at, insults at him. And said, this you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of an eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, part of the thing might be, <laughs> this is sort of like, 
usually it's not going to be this hard to share your story. <laughs> I promise you. Most people aren't going to respond like this. But the thing is, is, you know, uh, it wasn't about him. You know, it wasn't. They were making accusations because they couldn't get him to stop, to, to, to deny the power of Jesus and how he was healed. So they just turned around and started insulting him and talking about, well, you're a mess, your life's a mess, you're steeped in sin, you know? But I love that the guy wasn't deterred in that, and he wound up, you can read the rest of the record, it says that he believed, and it was really sweet. It says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Hallelujah. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who, that are with him heard him say this asked and asked, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you're blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Boom. Bam. Anyway, um, I want to just hit one more in John 4, this story. It's kind of interesting. I w- these two stories I just wanted to share. I love the, the one of just the boldness of the guy, how he wouldn't back down in the face of being accused because he was just thankful for what Jesus did for him. This story, what I like about it, it's the woman at the well. And what's kind of cool is there's no miracles here. She just has an encounter with Jesus, but she just it's so amazing that she just wants to tell everybody. So I'm just going to read some of these verses. In John 4 and verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His di- disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They, I mean, it was actually considered to make you unclean if if, um, he was to take a drink from her. Uh, Because there was question about where the the Jews doubted the the lineage of the Samaritans. uh, And there was a lot of debate about that. And they also disagreed about... um, uh, the temple and some other things, but um, but they really considered the the Samaritans like dogs, like were like the lowest of low. And then um, in verse ten, Jesus answered her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water." Sir, the man, the woman said, "You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water?" Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and and have to keep coming here to draw water. So it's kind of interesting because obviously when Jesus is speaking, how would she have any idea what he's talking about? Living water, well, I have no idea. But you can see that she's got a hunger in here as far as how she responds. There definitely is an openness and a hunger saying, I want to know about this water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you, have no hu- when you say you have no husband. The fact is... You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Now, this is bad. 
Like, this would not be, this is pretty scandalous. The fact that she had five husbands and the fact that the person, she's living with a guy that's not her husband, this is scandalous back in those days. This just did not happen in, uh, for respectable people at all. So it's interesting because all we've got here, and this is as we're going to read the record, is Jesus is talking to her and tells her about the living water that he can give her and then winds up kind of reading her mail. And I, this is by revelation that God would have you know, told him about what was up with the husbands and et cetera. And it's interesting that he asks her to go get her husband because what could be the options? Do you know what I mean? When she said, go get your husband. You know, she could have said, oh, he's busy, you know, or whatever. Or sure, I'll go get him, by, you know, or what have you. But it's kind of interesting because she does tell the truth about not having a husband, and then he winds up telling her life story in, in a way that would normally be pretty embarrassing or shameful, I would say, to her. Um, but in it somehow, we're going to read on, she says, Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And that's what I told you, that there was debate about the, the mountain and where they worship in Jerusalem. So then Jesus says, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in, Jer- nor in Jerusalem. Um, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are all the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then it talks about... um, Uh, In verse 28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, she's she's not even sure. But what she witnessed, that's what I'm saying is, talk about sharing something. At this point, she has a feeling he could be the Christ. And all she's got, there's no miracles, there's no big healing. All it was is that Jesus spoke to her in a way that she felt understood, that she felt accepted in in some ways, you know, that she was so excited about that encounter with Jesus of being accepted and being cared about and being understood that she had to just bolt to go tell people about it and said, this may be the Christ. I don't know. That's what I'm saying is you don't have to have this big, giant transformation story. We are called to share what we've got or what we have experienced of Jesus Christ, of how he's touched us. It says, uh, and then they came and made their way toward him. And then it says in um, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was all she shared. And a big chunk of that town where she lived believed because of that. Because they were moved by the fact that she was moved to share her experience with Jesus Christ. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers, and they said to the woman, and that's our job. Our job is not to save people. Our job is to grab people, bring them over, and introduce them to Jesus. He'll do the rest, you know. You want to meet Jesus? He did a lot for me, you know. Just tell what Jesus did for you. And make a little introduction. It says, and then it says in verse 42, Then they said to the, they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because what you have said. We now believe, have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. And that's how it happens. You share your story with somebody of your experience with Jesus. You bring them over to meet Jesus. They have their own experience and believe because of what they've seen. That's, what, that's a big part of this love pay it forward. What I want to do right now, I want to do a little meditation if you guys will close your eyes right now. If everybody will close your eyes. I want you to just think right now. Just have a time because I think part of this is just getting connected with and just, just pray and meditate and think about how Jesus has been in your life, where you have seen him, how you have been touched by him. It could be small, it could be big. Just take some time to think about Jesus and the impact that he's had on your life. Could be just something that happened today or this week. Could be a conversation you had with him. could be how you've been healed, places you've been healed. It's okay if you still have a lot of healing you'd like to have. Think about the last time you shared with someone about what Jesus has done for you. I want you to also just think about people maybe that the Lord has put in your life that maybe need to hear that you have no idea. Or maybe somebody that you shared with and gave up. Maybe they're like Jamie. You know, somebody that just needs you to hang in there and to keep sharing what the Lord has done for you. Maybe being that little light. about praying for open doors is God putting anybody on your heart the people in your life because we want to be in a place that we're looking that that's our, our daily prayer that we wake up thinking about wanting to 
pay it forward, the love that Jesus gave us. And every day is a new day, as Lachey shared earlier tonight. You know, if last week your commitment to want to share what he's done for you kind of petered off, it's a new day today. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would help us. That you, you would help our hearts to, to think about what you've done for us and what you and what your son, our Lord Jesus, has done for us. Jesus, I just pray that you are our guide in all of this. You have touched our lives. You have touched my life. My life is undeniably changed and I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if people don't believe it. I've seen it. And you've called us to just be witnesses of what we've seen and what we've experienced of you. We don't have to have answers. We don't have to be Bible scholars. But Jesus, every time that we tell our story, it helps us to remember what you've done for us and helps our faith and helps us in expecting you to be there for us in things to come as well. And every time we share it and someone and their life changes, we see your power in them and your love in them and your grace in them. Help us to be witnesses of you that we just spread the message of what we've seen and heard. That we don't let fear hold us back. We don't let what people are going to think about us or fear of being ostracized inhibit that. That we're not slaves to, to people-pleasing. That we care too much about people. That that's what we really care about, is that we care about others to get past those fears. And to make it available. As Jamie said, you can't, you can't make anybody do things, but we can make it available. We can share the message and let people choose. Help us to be inviters, to make that opportunity available of knowing you, Jesus. That you do change lives, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the healer of broken hearts. You have, you have healed our hearts and are in the midst of healing it more. You have done a mighty work and are continuing to do a mighty work in each and every one of us. We can't do this life without you. It's empty without you, Lord. So help us to share about you and to tell our story, and to be continually remembering what you've done for us, Lord. I pray for boldness. I pray for inspiration. And I pray for just having a burning in our heart to share what you've done for us with others, that we would be on fire and passionate to do that, Lord. I pray in your name, Lord Jesus. You have touched us. You certainly have. Help us to share it. In your name I pray. Amen.